I believe we are recording. We are recording. Well, this is Tron with Troncast with Tron Jordheim. Imagine who else it would be with. And uh, we're joined by my brother Jan, who has been uh, in the work world for quite a while and has just retired recently. So we thought it'd be fun to talk about what business looks like in the rearview mirror. So what's the deal, Jan? Well, greetings, everyone. So just to give you a little idea of my background, I have 40 years in data center management up through incident management and problem management. Most of it was spent in the financial world in the last few years in the medical world. So I have a lot of experience in thousands of insane things going on that were taken care of and fixed and improved. And so I've seen people at their worst than their best at 2 a.m. in the morning. I imagine. So, so now that you've, you've retired just a little while ago, and I'd say retired young, uh, you're not 63 yet, are you? Aren't you 63 next year? No, I'm 63 now. I'm 63 oh. and a half. God, you're so old. Jeez. Definitely. Be damn young for retiring, so way to go. Most people well, are still on the wheel of woe at 63. So what's it look like in the rearview mirror? Well, so first of all, now that you're mentioning the age, so 20 years ago, I got together with my financial planner, and we made a plan to retire at 63. So... The word to the wise is get with your financial planner and get your plan in order and it will happen. If you wait, if you wait and think you're a smart ass and going to get around the system, or if you think you can self-manage your finances to success, you're a fool. Well, I mean, don't you have consultants for everything else when you run a business or have people who manage everything else in a business? Yes. It's so people, why not do that for yourself, right? Well, people resist the financial help. But what I really learned working in the financial world was that even if you had a concept of what you were doing or should be doing, such as diversify and spread your money out and keep investing and so forth, you really have no idea what you're actually doing you need a financial advisor that has a way of looking at the whole picture and the future so anyway that's my advice there cool so that's how i retired at 63 because i made it happen on purpose so rearview mirror looking at the business world there's a, a lot of really really engaged creative, innovative people making the business world even happen. Right. Some days you wonder, how the heck did we ever create an internal combustion engine or a wheel or anything? Right? Yeah. How did any of that get some success? Well, aside from everybody being told no and people being shut down, people creatively go through and make it work anyway. So I, I say the 
the real value is the actual personal engagement in making the business successful. And I think that is the biggest reflection back is making the business successful versus doing stuff for the sake of doing business process. Right. Right. Well, especially in the age of spreadsheets and apps, we should be able to make the process sort of uh, run in the background while we're doing other stuff, but I'm sure that's not always the case. And, well, but uh, pra practically the the world in technology appears to be advanced, but it's actually just more things doing things faster that break more often. And right. Since I there's, well, since there's more things that, that are there and easily replaceable, um, you don't really see how much it is falling apart and being replaced and you know the example of um, medical world all kinds of different sites and sizes and technology and network abilities and to make it all actually work is quite a uh, feat i imagine i imagine and the people who end up getting all the guns pointed at them are sometimes the middle and upper management people, right? Well, they're the actual trouble because they're... So they have a difficult challenge. That's the upper middle management or middle upper management, whatever you want to call it, like the above AVP probably and yeah. low sea level stuff. Yeah. Those people have a real trouble of justifying their existence because they're actually worthless in that role in true life. Because in finance, in finance I worked in a very um, short corporate structure that was four levels to CIO or CEO. Yeah. And there was... Well, there was a lot of empowerment and um, responsibility and accountability and not a lot of chasing and so forth because the structure was flat. In the medical world, I had like 12 people above me. I almost had more <laughs> people above me than below me. That yikes. Well, and what that does is it drives a very defensive yell down culture because you have to justify a lot of stuff for 12 or eight or six or five or whatever corporate levels above the worker. Right. I never even right. heard of a chocolate cake being 12 layers deep. So how do you well, exactly. A, That's a right. good point. How do you yeah. Do? yeah. It's not sustainable in a nice way. Right. I yeah. get three layers. That's pretty tasty, but what do you do with 12? Yeah. Well, it, what it builds is a is that yell down defensive culture, and then it just makes the workers crazy because they're supporting defensive maneuvers by upper middle or middle upper management as opposed to doing stuff that actually makes the business successful. Yeah, like hours and hours and hours doing PowerPoints that get buried in another PowerPoint. Right. 
And does anyone look at any of those PowerPoints? Somebody must at some point. Well, they, <laughs> they don't get used the way you would like them used based on the time and effort you put into them. I'd believe that. Yeah. Well, they, got, they need to tell a story. But the, when they tell defensive stories, not helpful. Right. So that level of management really struggles not only to justify their existence, but they're always in the way. And you can tell when lower middle management has really big, wide eyeballs and they're walking around going, uh, you got a couple of minutes? It's because they got asked to do some report that's useless that now we have to spend time putting together. Right. It's the, <laughs> it's the oh, crap, my boss needs a report right now, look in the face. Right. And they need it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. That's crazy. So that, that should change. So what I think should happen is the management structure should learn what their business does and actually learn what the people do that are underneath them and either trust it and let it grow or get out of the way or replace it but don't constantly make it defensive to justify its existence. It's not helpful. And the other reason I say this is because the justifying existence doesn't help the business become more successful. Right. And how does it create profit or right. help people or save the planet or whatever, right? Right. And you as driving sales, right? You don't drive sales by doing structural useless things in the background of you know a million pie charts those don't sell your product selling your product is doing the the sales type work that builds your success of the contacts and the selling and the presenting and all that other stuff right right because in at least in my limited experience the most successful sales enterprises have maybe five or six kpis right that's really all they're watching if they're even watching five or six they might be watching three right and that's well, so and there's that's a lot a good, of stuff driving that but there's three things they worry about you know well that's a good point though kpis and and metrics because again at that management level if they actually don't know what you're truly doing they latch on to a metric right, right. So incident management has mean time to resolution. That's the time from the, um, the service being unavailable to the service being restored. Yeah. Right. So there's hot, 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 hot focus put on mean time to resolution. Mm -hmm. Two minutes two hours, 12 hours, whatever, something. So, right. Was, whatever the thing that is that breaks, right. How fast can you get it up? Well, and so the problem is, is that you have this upper level of folk looking at it and they don't understand what you're talking about in the first place. Cause they didn't take the time to learn it. Right. And they and latch on to mean time to resolution. Yeah. And you have a three hour outage 
that impacts a service and they're like jumping off the roof. Yeah. And you have a five minute outage that impacts a service and they kind of poo poo by it because it's only five minutes. Right. Now, if you don't look at what the actual service interruption was, but you keep it to that comfortable KPI or metric. Yeah. You're now jumping all over the two hour one when the five minute one killed somebody. But right. The never... five minute one was the power to the operating room. Yeah. Well, <laughs> since you never since you never looked at a multi-dimension on it and you only latched on to a comfortable metric. Right. Because you actually had no idea what you were talking about, but you're at that level. So now you grab onto some metric, you're actually totally wrong. And so here's the result of being wrong. Yeah. You drive the resources to the wrong place. You put mm-hmm. blame you put blame where what you need is factual um, evidence of what occurred so you can fix it and make it better. So everything you did was wrong. Right. Right. From the very first latch on to the metric. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure this is all over the business world where, oh yeah, you know, you have the, the line worker that's like, why are we measuring that value when right. this is the value that makes the widget complete so we can sell it or, you know, whatever they're right, right. doing, right? Well, that is true. I've certainly heard of that and seen that plenty of times. Yeah. Right. In the call center business, uh, a lot of times what goes on in the conferences is how to get your big boss to stop asking you about abandoned rates or uh, agent occupancy. Right. Right. (laughs) Or or are you going to penalize a really good caller, call rep who has a five or 20 has a 20 second longer call duration than the others but it actually sells more stuff but since you don't look at them as a multi-dimension you're actually going to penalize the guy because he's on the phone too long right and some of the systems it'll have whisper tones when you're hitting 30 seconds from when you're supposed to have call resolution it'll whisper tone you and so you have 30 seconds left on this call (laughs) well and yeah and exactly so this goes back to the the managing of that function and not understanding where the value comes into success to the business. Right. Right. And the worker actually wants to make the business successful because they work there and they get paid by it. And, and, and if they're not going to get rich, they might as well have some feeling of personal fulfillment. So. Well, yeah, I mean, people want to do something. People want to do work that matters. They want to, you know, feel like if I have to work all day and do something, I should go home and say to myself, well, it, it was something that was providing a value to the end customer that ultimately makes my business successful, that ultimately employs me. Well, yeah, you got to not hate going to work and you got to feel halfway decent on the way home saying, well, that's a pretty good day. I think that's how it's supposed to work anyway. 
Oh, the story is the the line worker at John Deere. Mm-hmm. They did a, a management training, and they asked one of the guys, well, "What do you what do you do on the line?" And the guy said, "Well, I put these, you know, screws into these holes, and I make sure they're tight." Mm-hmm. And they asked the other guy, and the other guy said, "Well, I help feed the world by." properly putting these machines together right so you know oh i thought the other guy's going to say i i loosen the things that the no. guy before me does because the boss makes him put them on too tight no they want to do work that matters <laughs> right in spite of in spite of the managing that's yep. that is sort of the caveat there is that people want to do a good job in spite of the 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 blockers that management put up for them to do a good job yeah right well so uh you have to shuck and jive to get through the organization then right i think you have to become a knowledgeable valuable resource that people trust and then you get away with every anything (laughs) right seriously i believe that yeah so, well, right. If you trust the guy, you trust the guy. There's a uh, book called Intelligent Disobedience. Mm-hmm. And you can look at it on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I took the class many years ago, and it is about driving alternative ways of getting things done to be more successful in spite of the blockers put in front of you. Well, that's a twist, because as I recall, the class you and I took as teenagers was called belligerent disobedience. So that's a new twist on it. <laughs> that's a different one altogether. That's a, yes, that's altogether. <laughs> uh, I think I got a B in that, so I wasn't too bad at it. We should have taken this one instead of that one. That might have been might have been more valuable in the long run. I don't know. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, see, this this goes to my concept of you exploit your opportunity. You you don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder because the man did whatever, because who gives a shit? What you should be doing is taking advantage of every opportunity that the man places there for you. And whoever the man, you know, unquote, unquote, is, yeah, you take advantage of the opportunities. Well, that would be like a businessy thing to do is to see your opportunity and take advantage yeah. of it and find some profit in it. Well, isn't that what you do in the sales world? You you look for opportunities, closing um, attempts, um, exactly. building building need exactly. where where there wasn't the prior need until you discovered the new thing. Exactly. Right. And making the customer very happy that he made that choice. Yeah. Well, I think that about sums it up for now. Be the valuable person who does the uh, intelligent disobedience. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, you know, from your experiences where you became the very valuable, knowledgeable person knew all the customers knew the routes had the the pulse of the business 
you didn't necessarily have the always the support of the management to see what those things were, which is part of the challenge, right? Right. But when you're performing and they trust you and the business is making money, then you can do some intelligent disobedience. And yeah, even if they say, well, I don't think you should do that. You go out and do it anyway. And then it worked. And then they go, oh, okay. <laughs> right. And, you know, the advantage lies there in <clears throat> doing it out in the open, not doing it sideways. Well, right. Right. Because things that are done sideways aren't trustworthy, but things that are done in the open, you get away with all kinds of stuff. Well, and if you do it sideways, what people see is the little things that break or don't work along the way. But if you do it while they're watching you, then what they see is the money coming in and the customers being happy. And, yeah, you know, so it's good. Well, if business had to rely on management decisions, there wouldn't be any business. <laughs> I think we should stop right there. There's your there's your quote, your meme of the day. There you go. There you go. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks. See ya. Bye.